Good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you guys doing today? For those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Aaron Walton, and I'm the outreach pastor here at Abundant Life Church. And before we begin, if you guys could just help uh, welcome our Sandy and Vancouver campuses and those who are watching online, if you could just welcome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Let me start by asking you guys a question. When was the last time you gave up on something? When was the last time that you said, that's it, I'm done, can't do anymore, I quit, I throw in the towel? Maybe it was a project, maybe it was a goal that you, that you set for yourself, or maybe it was even a relationship, but when was the last time you spoke the words, I give up? Believe you me, I've had a lifetime of, of giving up, and I could tell you uh, several, several things, but we don't have enough time for me to get through all the things that in my life... I have given up on. So the one that just popped in my mind as I was working through this sermon, it just happened not too long ago, is I made the dumb mistake, and maybe some husbands in this room have done this as well, where I made the decision to, hey, I, told, I said to my wife, hey, babe, um, can I work out with you once? Has anyone else made that dumb mistake? That's a dumb mistake. Don't ever say that, husbands. Don't ever try to work out with your wife. It leads to nothing but sad consequences. And so my wife does this thing, right, where she watches a, a DVD, right, in our living room, and it's got this crazy, bionicle, robotic-type woman, right, who's like in your face and like, all right, we're going to work out, and we're going to do it for 60 minutes, and we're not going to stop. And they have all these other people in there going, yeah, let's do it. And so I tempted to work out with her, because what I like is that in these videos, there's always this person off to the right called Modified. Do you guys know what Modified means? <laughs> So like the, 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 the main lady, the crazy lady is going 110% and she's giving it her all and she's doing it. And the modified version is just off to the right, kind of just doing one of these kind of things. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's my guy. That's, that's me right there. And so I attempted to work out. And after 10 minutes of just doing the modified workout, I thought I was going to die. Seriously. I got to that point where you start breathing in a way that God never intended for you to breathe. Like... <gasps> And my wife's like, come on, come on. And the ladies, you know, on the video is going like, all right, we got 15 minutes down. We got 45 more minutes to go. Are you with me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and so I gave up after 10 minutes to try and work out with my wife. And uh, I have not done it since. And we don't even speak about it. <laughs> I believe that any opportunity, any experience that could add any value to your life will almost certainly be followed with an obstacle. I mean, think about it. What, what element in your life that offers you value? And value is very different than pleasure. Lots of things give you pleasure, and a lot of pleasure is actually destructive. I'm talking about value. That which gives you meaning, that's what gives you purpose, and that what gives you a depth to your soul. What elements of your life that give you that value haven't come without obstacles, without pain, and without a struggle? Today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're not going to look at the whole chapter because there's so much in there. We're not going to hit at everything. But we're going to pull out some incredible challenges and truths in 4 that I feel that we can wrestle with today because the challenge that the scripture offers us that as we hit those obstacles, as we experience that pain, and as we go through those struggles, the scripture will simply say to us, don't give up. You see, Paul was writing... Uh, these letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, to the church in Corinth because they were going through all kinds of conflict. 
They were going through conflict inside the church, and they were going and experiencing conflict outside of the church. And so Paul simply wants to say two things to the church. He writes these letters pleading with them just to hear two things. Number one is like I already said, don't give up. I know you got a lot going on. I know there are difficulties. I know there are obstacles in your way, but please don't give up. And the second thing that he does that helps in that not giving up, he simply is trying to point the audience back to Jesus. You know, every time Paul writes a letter, it's like he's trying to grab everyone's attention and go, all right, look, I know you're looking at this. I know you're focusing on this. I know that you're surrounded by this, but if you were to fix your eyes on Jesus, he will show up in your life. And I hope that's what we do here every single Sunday at Abundant Life. I hope that when you show up that you're not here for any show, you're not here just to make yourself feel better, and you're not here to just check something off your list, but you're actually here, hopefully, for two things. One, so that you can be told and encouraged, don't give up. And also, hopefully, in the midst of that, you can be pointed back to Jesus. So let's dive in. Let's start looking um, at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 6 because I feel like it just sets kind of the scene, kind of sets the foundation for everything I'm going to talk about today. So verse 6, follow along with me. If you've got your Bibles, take those out to 2 Corinthians 4. If not, just follow on the screen. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That brings me to my first point. Number one, Jesus came to pierce the darkness and regenerate the soul so that it may be reflected to others. I'm going to say that again. Jesus came to pierce the darkness and regenerate the soul so that it may be reflected to others. See, Paul is quoting uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, where God saw the world formless and void and, and dark, and he said, let there be light and light came upon the earth, and that was the start of the entire creation account. And, and he says, as God spoke light into the darkness of this world, so also did Jesus come and speak light into this world and specifically spoke the light inside of our hearts. And I know for many of you this is kind of review, but there might be someone in this room today that has yet to truly believe what I just said, that the God of the universe loves you. He loves you. And he wants to add value to your life. He wants to give you meaning and he wants to give you purpose. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live and to die on the cross and to be resurrected so that you may be regenerated inside yourself, that your soul may be rescued from the darkness that at times engulfs, suffocates, and paralyzes us. That's the gospel. That's what God's been saying since the creation account. That's why Jesus showed up and lived died and resurrected. And that's what Paul said. That's the message that I want to pick up and I want to take into this world. Let me show you a picture. This picture was taken a couple months ago when I had the absolute honor and opportunity to travel to Africa, specifically to Kenya and Uganda. And this picture um, is the time that I got to spend in Uganda with our short-term team um, that goes out there every year. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things that I can, I can say about this picture as I look at it. But uh, was, this was taken on the day uh, where we invited over 200 orphans and children to be baptized. Um, and that's pretty awesome. And it had nothing to do with me. That had nothing to do with even our team. That was completely by the will of God. But when I look at this picture, this is what I think. I am so incredibly thankful. I am so incredibly thankful that I am a part of a church that 
believes in taking the gospel message to taking that light that Jesus shined and shining in the darkness that, that haven't seen it yet. I'm so thankful. Maybe some of you in here have gone on trips where you've taken the gospel message. You've taken this light and you've allowed it to be reflected in your life. There's people like Dr. Bruce and Debbie Douglas or Mark and Susan Gosfin or pe- members of this church that allowed at one point in their life for Jesus to pierce the darkness that was holding on to them. They accepted the words of Jesus. They believed it and they engaged in that. And when that happened, when Jesus showed up and shined his light, their souls were regenerated and there was meaning that was given and there was purpose that was given. And because they didn't want to selfishly hold on to that message, they said, I want to give of my life. I want to sacrifice the things, my comfort, so that I can take that message and now speak it into a world that does not know it. And an entire generation of children and orphans in Uganda have now been pointed to Jesus. And they have made the decision to allow Jesus to pierce the darkness. Their souls now have been regenerated where now they have a purpose, a purpose that comes from God, and now they have the responsibility to then speak that same message of truth to the next generation that will come in Uganda. How incredible is that? I offer you guys two questions before we continue. The first one is this. If anybody in this room has yet to give your life to Jesus Christ, if any of you is being surrounded and engulfed in darkness, I would plead with you to allow his light to shine inside of your life, to allow his life to come alive inside of you, and allow his power and authority and empowerment to regenerate your soul and give you a meaning and a purpose, and hopefully that purpose will be to take that message and reflect it in this world. So the first thing is, if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to do so. And the second question is, if you've already done that, and you're like, Aaron, tell me something new, then I would invite you to think about where is God asking you to reflect his love? Where in this world have you fallen in love with that you're going to take that message and that light and you're going to shine it? Maybe it's Haiti, maybe it's Africa, maybe it's Alaska. Maybe it's Sandy, maybe it's Vancouver, maybe it's in Portland, maybe it's in your work, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's with your spouse. Where are you shining his light? Next, Paul introduces the idea of jars of clay. I think you guys might have heard this, that we have this treasure in jars of clay he talks about in verse 7. You see, back in the day, it was common for people and individuals to take the valuable things that they had, the treasures that they have, and simply store them in these ordinary jars of clay. It was kind of like their storage system back in the day. And Paul makes that comparison. He says, just as we store these treasures in jars of clay, so also are we jars of clay holding and sheltering this unbelievable treasure that Jesus came to pierce the darkness to regenerate the soul that we would reflect it to others. We are those jars of clay. And, and the thing, the problem with every single clay jar is that they can, they can break. This is part of the design. I mean, clay is not meant to be able to withstand huge shock. If it falls on the floor, if it, if it hits too hard, it will break. He mentions in verse 3, if you guys look at verse 3 in this chapter, he talks about the enemy, as he calls it, the God of the age. And this enemy wants nothing to, to do nothing more than to prevent the message that Paul is speaking to be heard and for people not to see Jesus. I mean, who in this room, right, have experienced the attack of the enemy? I mean, you've had an illness or a sickness. And I'm not talking about just a cold or the flu, but you've had a chronic 
affliction inside your life that no matter what type of medicine, no matter what doctors you seek, it almost feels like there's no hope this will ever change. How many of you guys have experienced sorrow and, and, and loss and loss to the point where when you lost someone, it was like a part of you was lost as well? How many of you guys would answer the question, if someone would ask you that basic, ordinary question we all ask, hey, how's life? How are you doing? That you would respond honestly, if you were responding honestly, you would say, life is really, really difficult. Life kind of sucks. Forgive me for saying suck in church. But how many of you guys would answer that question honestly? Yeah, life is really, really difficult. Every time I try to figure my life out, every time I try to get something good going, every time I pursue something of worth, an obstacle gets in the way. Something shows up and throws me off. And who in this, in this room is just experiencing conflict? Whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your children, your coworkers, you just feel like you're fighting with everybody. That there is just something going on that's just causing just for you to just run into people left and right and all the time. You see, the enemy knows that we're jars of clay. He knows that this is what we're made of. And that's why he's going to do all that he can and throw out everything imaginable, everything in his arsenal he's going to throw at you. Why? Because he wants you to give up. He wants you to give up on yourself. He wants you to get lost in the darkness. He wants you to get lost in these horrible things that the world throws at us and that the enemy throws us so that we abandon who we are. He wants us to give up on the relationships, those relationships that really do add value to our life, that give us meaning and purpose and encourage us in those dark moments. He wants us to give up and push people away. And ultimately, he wants us to give up on that mission, that, that call that he's given all of us, which is to take my message, take my light, and shine it in this world that needs it. He wants us to go, nope, I'm not going to do that. But luckily, Paul has a response. He has a response to this. So look at verse 8 and 9. This is, also, this is, in one breath, very exciting to hear, and also it can be very discouraging. Verses 8 through 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And this leads me to my second point. Number two, the absolute inability of man reveals the total ability of God. I'm going to say it again. The absolute inability of man reveals the total ability of God. Let me show you a couple more pictures. These are my two little girls, Carly and Emma. Carly is my five-year-old, and Emma is my three-year-old. And every day I say to God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am so beyond blessed and excited and thankful that I am a father to two of the most beautiful, wonderful girls on the face of the planet. I am so thankful they are one of the greatest joys of my life. And in the same breath, I say, God, what have you done to me? What am I going to do? I have two girls, two strong-willed girls, two independent girls, two angry girls at times that let me know, hey, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. It's terrifying. My little, my little girl here, Emma, is three years old, okay? Three years old. The other day we were coming back from a graduation party, and she was behind us, and she was kind of walking like this. I mean, just the weight of the world was on this three-year-old's shoulder. I don't know what was going on. We turned, and we said, 
uh, Emma, what's, uh, what's, what's the matter? She looked at us and she said, Mom, Dad, I just really want a boyfriend. <laughs> I almost had a heart attack right then and there, and I almost said, okay, God, she's yours, take her, I want nothing to do with this. Are you kidding me? She is three years old, what's she going to be like when she's 16, okay? I kept telling her, there's no such thing as boyfriends, okay? That's a, whoever told you that was a lie. There are no such things as boyfriends. They don't exist. Come talk to me when you're 40. That's what I said. <laughs> but the reason why I show you these pictures of my girls is because of this. Every time I see them, every time I talk to them, every time they run up and give me a hug, every time I look into their eyes, this is what I say to myself. My two girls deserve the absolute best from me. That's my job as a father. That's the, that's the title I give, and that's the responsibility I have, to give my two girls the absolute best because that's what they deserve. They deserve the best from life, but they also deserve the best from me. And the best that I can offer them, the best things that they deserve are as such as follow. Unconditional love. They deserve that for the rest of my life. As long as I have air in my lungs, I will give them unconditional love. They deserve sacrificial love. I will choose every single day to put their needs ahead of mine. They deserve patience. They deserve understanding. They deserve grace. And they deserve forgiveness. But believe you me, folks, that if I try to give that to them on my own, by myself, I will fail miserably. I do not have it inside myself to give the girls the absolute best. I am selfish. I am lazy. At times, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm confused of what, how, when, where. I am a clay jar. You see, Paul doesn't shy away from the harsh realities that we talked about earlier and that we're surrounded by them. That's why he says we are hard-pressed, we are perplexed, we are persecuted, and we are struck down again and again. He doesn't apologize for that. He, he, just, he calls it out. He says, this is life the life that we live. And I know that there are people in this room that are experiencing that even as I talk right now. But he also points us to something else. He also points us to another truth. The fact that there is something else happening in the midst of all of the obstacles that we're facing, in the midst of the attacks that we're being surrounded by. There is something else happening. And for those of you that have allowed Jesus Christ to pierce the darkness and regenerate your soul. God is showing up in those moments, whether you realize it or not, in small ways and in an amazing way. God is showing up and he is giving you his empowerment, he is giving you your protection and his guidance. And he's saying to you over and over again, don't give up. Stay with me here. Don't give up. The more that I admit that I am completely incapable of doing this life on my own, the more that I come to the reality that I don't have what it takes, the more I am willing to put my life literally in the hands of God every single day. And that I will trust in his empowerment, his protection, his guidance, so that I really can be the father that my girls deserve. That I can be the husband that my wife deserves. That I can be the pastor and the servant that this church deserves. Paul's promise is for those who trust in God that you may be pressed it's going to happen, but guess what? You will not be crushed. That even though you're perplexed and confused at times, you will not be left in despair. That even though you'll be attacked and persecuted, it's going to happen. You will never 
be abandoned. And even though you're struck down again and again and again, you will not be destroyed. Let me ask you guys this question. What in your life right now deserves your absolute best? Who in your life deserves your absolute best? And in who are you looking to and whose ability do you look to in order to help you deliver it? When was the last time you guys didn't give up on something? When was the last time you faced an obstacle? You faced a struggle. You experienced pain and suffering. And you said the words, I am not giving up. I've been married for almost eight years now to my beautiful wife, Katie. And uh, I wanted to tell you about the time that I, I met her. Uh, first real time that I met her. I, I officially met her at one point at a, at a wedding that we were both in. I was a groomsman. She was a candlelighter. But she says that I was too full of myself to give her the time of day, so uh, we didn't really enact them much. She also said that had I met her in college, had we met in college, uh, that she would not be my friend. That's what she said. She said, if I'd met you in college, wouldn't have been your friend, just to let you know. How am I supposed to take that? I don't know. I don't know how am I supposed to take that, but this is how we first met. So she started coming to the church that I was attending previous before I come to Abundant Life Church, and we were, had a bunch of friends that were there that day, and we said, hey, let's go out for lunch and play some games. So we went out for lunch to play some games, and we're all just sitting around, and I noticed her, and I said, wow, she is beautiful. Maybe I will just take some time to get to know her. Completely platonic, just a human being, getting to know another human being, just making conversation, nothing, you know, shady there or anything like that. So, you know, eventually I just kind of worked my way around the room and just kind of positioned myself kind of right next to her, and just kind of was like, uh, hey, Katie? It's Katie, right? Hey, that's great. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> uh, where did you go to school? Where, 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 did you, where did you go to college? And this is how she responded to that, okay? And I'm not exaggerating, not even for a second. This is how she responded. She turned her head like this. <sighs> University of Portland. <laughs> I was a little taken back. I was like, okay. All right, that didn't go so well. All right, just shake it off, Aaron. Shake it off. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. First impressions, they're difficult. Okay. All right, give it another try. Try it again. Try it again. All right, here we go. So I mustered up some courage, waited a little bit, and I just went, uh, <laughs> yeah. University of Portland. Yeah, it's a, it's a good school. Um, what, uh, what did you study? What do you, what do you do for a living right now? Um, and literally, this is how she responded exactly the same way. She went, <sighs> I'm a labor and delivery nurse. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, there you go. I give up. I'm done. My reputation clearly has preceded me, okay? Normally, it takes me months to repel a woman like that. <laughs> and I was able to do that in, like, less than a minute. So clearly, good luck to you, lady. I am out of here. So come to find out later, she told me a couple, couple months later that the first day that she met me, the first day that she really interacted uh, with me, um, she was walking back to her car and she said she heard the voice of God for the first time ever in her life say, you just met the man that you're going to marry. And she was pissed. <laughs> she was not having it. She was, no. She's like, uh, yeah, no. First off, never going to marry a pastor. Second off, not that guy. No, thank you. Get that away from me. That's why she was being so like, yeah, she was avoiding me at all chance. But I, I got to tell you that 
through the conversation I had with her first, and even as we were interacting and kind of slowly, when she finally allowed me to actually have a normal conversation that was more than just two or three words, and we actually went out and had coffee, and then we started to date, there was something inside of me, because our dating was not perfect. We made, you know, we made some mistakes. We went through a hard time. Um, but there was something inside of me that was just constantly saying, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm not saying that was God. I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was just myself because I was a desperate man at that point, and so I was willing to give it my all and see this through, but there was something inside of me that was just saying over and over again, don't give up. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on her. And I can't even begin to describe you how utterly thankful and blessed I am that I didn't give up. Because the Lord has worked through my wife in ways I never thought it was even possible. My wife gives me the things that I need that I cannot give myself. She speaks words of truth to me. She cares for me. She comforts me. I have never deserved her, and yet God blessed me with her. And every single day I say, thank you, God, so much for my beautiful wife. Thank you so much that you've granted her to me. I'm going to show you verse, um, verse 16. And this is the promise that Paul offers anybody who is willing and able to take him seriously. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day by day. When was the last time you guys took a personal inventory of yourself? You know what I mean? You went up to the mirror and you said, okay, what do I got left here, okay? What do I have left that I can really be proud of? I look at myself, when I look at myself in the mirror, this is what I see. I see that I have bad eyesight, hence why I have to wear the glasses. I have little to no upper body strength. I'm just going to be honest with you right now, okay? When the Lord was creating me in my mother's womb and knitting me together in my innermost being, right, he skipped the chapter on upper body strength. He just said, ah, he's fine. Just give him skin and bones. He'll be fine. I am going bald. I know you know that I'm going bald. I know that you can see it, okay? These lights hide nothing, but I want you to know that I'm going bald by choice. I'm making that decision because I, I figured it was the only way they were going to let me preach, so that's what I went for. So, um, And my body weight is average for most middle schoolers. So, Now, too often, way too often, we focus on these outer things and we assume that these outer things are what define our value. I mean, when I was a middle schooler and high schooler, that was literally my life for six years, is worrying about all these outside things and feeling like those defined who I was. And as I've grown up and I've experienced some really difficult times, sometimes then I focus on those, the sorrow and the sickness and the pain, these real things, again, these real things that are going on, these harsh realities of life. And I'm not going to try to trivialize but sometimes we focus on those. The outer things are the things that are happening around us, and we assume that is what our life is. That is what's defining who we are. But here's what the Scripture says, and if you are at a place where you can hear this, I beg of you to hear this. That because of the suffering 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we didn't even really talk about that much today, but there's something to be said about the fact that Jesus Christ came down and experienced one of the most horrific deaths known to man that he held on that cross and his body was broken and his blood was spilled and that his body died, yet in three days he was resurrected and death was put in its place and the grave was conquered. There's something to be said by the fact that as we go through pain and suffering and we experience obstacles, that we are almost sharing in that suffering that Christ suffered. And in the same breath, we are then resurrected. What was that song we just sang? The resurrecting king is resurrecting. He's resurrecting us every single day by the power of the cross. Every single day he calls out to you and says, you will not be a victim of this. I will not allow you to be abandoned and let go. And so in verse 11, it talks about the suffering and the resurrection. And then through verse 13, it says, and the empowerment of my Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is being sent upon us as before you guys woke up today, as you came into church, as you go through, the Holy Spirit is constantly surrounding you and giving you the things that you cannot give yourself. It was the same friend that he, he promised to his disciples after he would leave that my Holy Spirit, my friend's going to come, he's going to take you to amazing places and that's what started the church. And it's that Holy Spirit that every single day, if we are willing and if we keep our focus and our eyes on Jesus, that he's going to renew us every single day. He's going to renew us every single day. Third point, do not lose heart. The more the marble wastes, the more the statue grows. I think a little bit of this is what uh, George has been talking about, Pastor George has been talking about with his masterpiece, that we are this, this masterpiece, though outwardly it does not look like we are a masterpiece. What surrounds us at times is not a masterpiece, but God is doing something inside of us if we are willing every single day and he is creating you into his masterpiece. Last picture that I have for you here. This is the picture of um, Abundant Life Church involvement and outreach team that I get to be a part of. Um, and since then, we've had a new person come on staff, Bailey Snyder, who's one of the coolest peeper, people ever. Um, and I show you this picture because this is what I want to say. This is one of the things that I wrote down that I want to communicate to you today. Abundant Life Church, I love you guys so much. And whatever, whatever these words mean to you, because many of you don't know me, it might not mean much to you, but I need you to understand this, that I love you guys. From the bottom of my heart, you have no idea, and you probably never will, you, you have no idea the value that you have given me in my personal life by allowing me to be a part of this community, to be a part of this team, to be on this incredible staff, to have a life group for the first time in my adult life, just to simply worship with you. I have been given something that I did not deserve because do you really want to know who, who I am? If you guys really want to know who Aaron Walton is, this is who I am. I am weak, I am fearful, and I am an insecure jar of clay. That is who I really, truly am. I already talked to you about the weakness. I have no upper uh, body strength. And as funny as that sounds, like it has played a huge part in me just thinking that I'm a man, right? Just it's comparison, right? You guys saw Pastor Mike, right? That's a man, right? <laughs> Pastor Mike is a man, right? And I feel, hey, Pastor Mike, how you doing? <laughs> Every time Mike gives me a hug, I feel like I'm being hugged by the arms of the Lord Jesus. Um, 
I'm fearful. I am beyond fearful. I'm a worrier. I show up to the airport four hours early just because I'm afraid, terrified that I'm going to miss my flight to Long Beach, California. Like, oh, big deal. <laughs> I am insecure. At the core of who I am, I am insecure. There's a, there's a rope inside me. There's a string inside of me that says insecure, right? And every time I get an opportunity to do something for God or to do something for my family or do something of good or value, I feel like the enemy just grabs that and just pulls that as hard as he can. Every single day he tries to. And every single time he grabs that and he tries to pull out it, all I hear is, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're weak. You're fragile. Give up. Give up. Give up. It's embarrassing what you're doing. Let go. Come on. Let somebody else do it. You need to give up. You need to walk away. But the only reason why I'm even having the opportunity to stand in front of you today, the only reason why I get to be a part of this incredible team and staff, that I get to be blessed by some of the most amazing and incredible um, workers, um, servants of God that I've ever had the honor of knowing, is because my parents, in their, in their wisdom that I don't think necessarily came from them but came from something else, that my parents, in their wisdom, pointed me towards Jesus at a very, very young age. That when I started figuring this life out, they said, okay, here's what we want you to do. You, you do your life, you do your thing, but this is what you need to do. You need Jesus. And everything that they did in their sacrificial and unconditional love, they pointed me towards Jesus. And I'm forever thankful for that, for my mom and dad for doing that. The only reason why I even have this opportunity to speak these words is because as they pointed me towards Jesus, Jesus showed up in my life. He grabbed me and he said, I'm not letting you go. And his light pierced the darkness, that insecure, fearful, weak darkness that was all-consuming at times, that was paralyzing for me at times. And he said, that's not who you are. You are my son. You are my creation. And I love you. And I'm going to regenerate your soul. I'm going to give you value. I'm going to give you purpose. And I'm going to give you meaning. And none of that I could give myself. None of that was on my own. That was solely and completely by God's empowerment and presence inside my life. And because he's done that, and because I said, awesome, let's do this. Sounds good to me. The other, the other way to go is not what I want to do. I want to be the best father that I can be. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best servant. Because I have placed my life literally in the hands of God, he has renewed me. Every single day. That even in the midst of my insecurities, even in the midst of my weaknesses, he's renewing me every single day. Even when I hit an obstacle, even when I experience pain and suffering, even when my family gets to the point where they want to give up, God is renewing me every single day. And it's because of God and his renewal and his son Jesus, it's because of that that I will never Give up being a husband to my wife. And I will be the best husband that I can because I will be relying solely on him to give me the things that she needs that I cannot give. It is because of that that I will never, ever give up being a father to my little girls. They deserve the best and they will get the absolute best because I will rely on someone far bigger and stronger than me to give that to them. And I will not give up on being a pastor and a servant of this church or any church that I might be a part of because God will renew and empower me and bless me and protect me in ways I never could on my own. Don't give up. 
wherever you are right now, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're fighting through, it's real and it sucks and I'm sorry, don't give up. The insecurities, they're real. They are part of our life. They follow us wherever we go. The things that the enemy throws at us is real and it is, it is horrific, the stuff that some of you maybe have experienced. But I ask you and I plead with you, if you hear nothing else, just hear this. Don't give and for those of you that feel so inclined, I, I would encourage you then to take the next step and fix your eyes on Jesus. Allow his light to pierce the darkness that has engulfed you. Allow him to regenerate the, your soul, to give you meaning and purpose and value. And don't give up on the mission that he's called you to do, to take that same message and go out into the world that is full of darkness, where people are wasting away, falling down, giving up, that you can speak words of truth and encouragement to them. Don't be afraid. Don't give up on yourself. Don't lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you so much for this church, for your word, and for the opportunity to worship with you in spirit and in truth. Empower us not to lose heart. Strengthen us not to give up. Heavenly Father, please help us fix our eyes on you and on your Son, Christ Jesus. Though outwardly we are wasting away, though outwardly we are being attacked left and right, Lord, I pray for all of us in here, renew us every single day. Amen.